life. Um, however, so when you decided to go and get diagnosed or d- decided yeah. to like get tested, like how, what, how, how did you go about that? Like, how do you get diagnosed and how did you feel after you were diagnosed? Okay. So when I got diagnosed, um, uh, with ADHD okay the, in the UK it's a mess okay so mm-hmm. it, 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 there's there's like a two and a half to three year waiting list for for, for getting seen for ADHD yeah so which is just a joke and you know we talk about mental health and, and everything it's just we're not set up for it in the UK yeah. um the NHS is on its knees and we all know about that yeah so for me it was like okay what do I do wait two and a half years for this diagnosis or do I you know, pay for it privately, which is which is the decision that I decided to go down. Um, and it was a very, very expensive process. Yeah. Um, so I think my diagnosis in total with titration was about £1,900 in total. Oof. Yeah. So it was a big hit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I went to get my diagnosis, obviously I gave them all my school reports, and then I sat there with a psychiatrist for what two hours online, and then they asked me lots of questions about, you know, about the screening. Also, you... you you know the test. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go go go. Yeah. The the test that I gave you the ASR the ASRS screening test. Yeah. I I tested positive on that test, okay. and then that then you would take that test to your doctor, and then they would then put you on the list. That's how it. Do you feel it's necessary to get diagnosed? I would say that I would strongly suggest that people get diagnosed for it. Because if you go and live with ADHD um, without knowing, that's quite dangerous. But what if you know you just don't want to go through the process of a doctor and therapy and you just want to go through um, researching it yourself and, and finding the tools to get through life yourself? And... What if? Oh, I I already I already put loads of things in place for myself with ADHD. I already right. put structures in place for myself. Right. But one thing I didn't do, like 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 for example, if you don't know where your keys are, you try and put them in the same place every day. Everybody has structures not to forget things. If you do, if you want to take your if you don't want to forget your books to school, I used to keep all my books in my bag. So like there's little things that I used to do as a kid and as an adult that I still do today with ADHD. The thing about finding about ADHD, which mm. is different, is it made me come to terms with the psychological things that I have done throughout my life. And if I had known about them, things could have been different. They made and more sense. They made more sense. And it, it allowed me to break down some of my trauma as a child with struggling in school and you know things, and, and relationships with my parents a lot more. Yeah. So I think those psychological things have made me so much happier as a person and how to process them. And I know the reasons for them now. And so, so what... there's, there's a level of like peace yeah. okay. and acceptance. So what coping mechanisms have you put in place to allow your life to be easier right now that you have managed? Because I'm sure, and this doesn't, I don't want this to sound patronizing, but I'm sure there's traits that you have because of your ADHD that you probably still haven't really noticed yet but maybe other people have but maybe you're not aware of it so you haven't been able to put in the coping mechanisms yet because it's still a a journey right you're still learning like how it's affecting you in your life you were only diagnosed a year ago yes i mean some of i I put so many things so when you go through a titration period for medication of adhd which i know we'll go on to um at some point in time there's obviously a waiting period 
So mm -hmm. I got diagnosed with ADHD and there may, it may have been like a, you know, maybe four to five month waiting period before I could start trituration, right? Mm. So during that time, I went to work on myself because half the battle about ADHD, as you say, is putting things in place. Yeah. So some of the things I put in place and I have specific examples, um, <laughs> bear with me one second, I have them on mm. document somewhere. It's okay, I okay, can so, this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I've got a whole list of things. Um, I have an alarm. When my alarm goes off in the morning, uh, it's typical for someone with ADHD to wake up and be like, oh, the day, can't be asked. Not a morning person. <laughs> Very standard of someone with ADHD. So if I put a different song on every day, I'm more likely not to hit that snooze button. You used to do that when you were a teenager. You used to put on the verve and it used to wake you up. Richard Asper. Yeah, I, like, I remember. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I still do things like that and I always have done. Um, one thing I did introduce though was a sleeping routine, trying to go to the same time because I struggled with insomnia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's a big thing. So you know the importance of sleep, Bev. We've spoken Massive. about it before. And whether you've got any, any, anything, like sleeping at the same time every day and getting the right amount of sleep and the consecutive amount of hours and the same every night, going to bed and waking up at the same time. Yeah reaps massive health benefits but, so we won't go into that just they, research that they, yourselves yeah health benefits aside and all of that mm. um for somebody with adhd routines are the best because you're less likely to get distracted so if you can go to bed at the same time every day you know that's coming and you'll get into the routine a bit you won't get as distracted you're like okay my bedtime is definitely 10 o'clock it's definitely 11 o'clock whatever time it might be yeah make sure you stick to it because then you're more likely to do it more right. so it that is a big thing um cognitive behavior therapy is very hard for somebody with adhd but it does work mm -hmm. okay for some yeah. people not everybody but you know there is that um okay. i do take um supplements that apparently <laughs> um help with blood flow to the brain okay so um stuff like um taking omega freeze i'm vegan so omega freeze are kind of important for me mm -hmm. um and, and genko as well and multivitamins because mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. we should all take more of it and uh, tile trackers for my keys so when i put my keys down somewhere i can find my keys i have a tile tracker that will find my phone <laughs> yeah big things because when you're rushing things, out the door yeah no these things you know. are going to definitely help you and you're putting in things that like have affected you negatively and it's like, okay i'm not going to let this happen again and i think coping mechanisms are a, a big thing for someone with adhd and i'm gonna i'm gonna flip it a bit here i'm gonna i'm gonna play the devil right now so i know a lot of people connect adhd with um they say like sometimes with traumatic childhood right and they say it's like um adhd is like switching off for people because they've um they've gone through something traumatic so the best way for them to deal with it is to switch off which then makes me question whether it is genetic um also because if you're learning that behavior maybe that behavior isn't something that your father or your mother do or anyone in your family but it is a way of coping right so you learn to switch off and i think today in 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 our society now with social media and how much we're exposed to life is so stressful and being a child being a teenager or being an adult is so stressful that I definitely know I'm one of 
someone that does it that switching off is to the environment around you is just such a good coping mechanism sometimes and helps with your mental health and sometimes I have to tell myself switch off for a bit whether it's watching reality tv or playing an instrument like they're the things I do and it's shameful I know reality tv but it really does I really do switch off when I put it on in the background or whatever so it it helps it it makes me think how many kids are stressed in this world and are switching off but then are also being diagnosed with ADHD it's an interesting concept because the the idea of switching off is that is is initially to say that you know some people people with ADHD have a mind that tends to work like a motor you can never switch off Mm. and some people don't struggle with that but they do so, switch off even though your mind's like a motor you switch off from a situation and go on to another situation or another thought process but to the person that's still talking about the the, the conversation that you were having you've switched off to them you haven't switched off completely you're thinking of something else and you're in another area so you're talking about mind so you're talking about mind wandering yes switching off okay, yeah. or you can switch off in many different ways yeah but yeah if you're in school and you're switching off to what's being taught um maybe it's just a coping mechanism that you've learned through having a traumatic childhood and when things get too stressful especially in schools when you know you're being pressured with grades especially in asia you might learn to switch off because that's something you've learned but then you get well, diagnosed with having um adhd because you haven't got good concentration so i mean i think i think what what you're saying is kind of a little bit counterproductive because if you've got bad concentration it isn't something that you can learn as such so it i mean is. they're the... saying it is it's something that you can teach yourself when you feel stressed in a stressful situation you can put methods in to help you concentrate so for example no but they but they might not know that they might just have had so much stress that they decide to switch off and then because they're switching off, teachers are writing reports about them. Parents are worried about them. They go to a doctor. A doctor's like, you can't focus. Oh, you have ADHD. And I think it's like, what is it? One in nine students in America being diagnosed with ADHD and they're being medicated. So my, my opinion of this, um, and I think I think what you're alerting, uh, um, alluding yourself to is that there might be a kid who's struggling with concentration and... Um, it might not be ADHD, which could be the case. It could be just development. Yeah. And my my opinion of that is that there are lots of things that you can put in place to help with um, concentration. And in my experience, before I was on medication for ADHD, I did everything that I possibly could in terms of like improving my diet, exercising a lot putting structures in place and making sure I had a good sleeping routine, quitting drinking um, alcohol, quitting caffeine, because I knew that when I started titration, I would want to know how I clearly felt when I took that medication so I could tell the difference. Mm -hmm. So my, my feelings about that as a kid, if you have a kid in school who is struggling to concentrate, I almost feel like you should try everything in terms of teaching methods and look at how they're learning and the things that they are learning and different strategies yeah. before mm -hmm. you look at medication. And I'm not 100%. even sure. And I think if I was a if I was a father and I had a kid, I don't think I would want to put them on medication until they were more developed. Yeah. 
And and I think that's my feeling about it. And that is just my opinion. Because if a hundred percent, this this by everyone knows who listens to this podcast, this is not like medical advice ever. It's not even advice. It's experience and it's opinions based on our own experiences um, and what we would do and what we have done. I agree with you. I don't think medication is always the option, especially when you can, if you, it's something that you catch early enough, then you can put in the tools into place to help those those students develop and understand how to navigate having ADHD in social situations, in school, you know, in life. Like these are things we need to be aware of. The thing I'm worried about is, you know, kids who show a lot of symptoms of ADHD and being diagnosed with that and being medicated, but just being diagnosed with it. Are we too quick to diagnose ADHD? It's a big thing right now. It's very relevant. I, I think that the amount of people who are coming out with ADHD is because, <laughs> honestly, it's because there are more people in society with ADHD than we realized. Mm-hmm. And, and I think neurodiversity is huge and it's something we don't fully understand yet. So, and that's why I kind of like at the forefront like to say that look at it as neurodiversity rather yeah. than all these single things because a lot of the time they're correlated. So it's and, a more um, of a case of knowing more now. Yeah. So and being, if you yeah. think you if so if you think you might have symptoms of this thing or this thing and this thing, is research it and see it. And if you think that medication might help you or might help your child. You know, maybe they're in maybe they're in a, a situation where, like, you know, they've got the high school and the intensity of the work has increased and they can't mm. cope with it. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at how we can manage their workload first. And if that still isn't working, then maybe talk to your child, educate them about how serotonin and dopamine work mm. and how you might be lacking it in your brain, and then give them the suggestion that this might be an option. Make yeah. them aware and let them make the decision as well because if you're just saying okay i'm going to give my kid these medication i mean the kid's not consenting to it you know it's a kid yeah so i think you just have to look at it and on the main scheme of things i think that everybody who has got who might consider to have adhd should at least be diagnosed that's one thing i am because i would have preferred to have known in my life that i had it because i think my life would have been easier you think so. you would have built up the, the the skills and the tools early enough to live a an easier life now instead of having to build that now? Yeah, I think so. And I, and yeah. I think there's a lot I, of things I, I think... overcompensated for. I overcompensated for so many things because of ADHD. I went back and did my GCSEs yeah. again because I felt the shame of failing them the first time around. And that was a waste of two years, really, because, I mean, when I finished them, I didn't feel any better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't have had to have done that. And maybe I even overcompensated by going to get a degree because I failed school. You know, a yeah. lot of these decisions in my life may not have been necessary and, and my life could have been a bit easier. But that's great for parents to hear. Like, if you're Taiwanese, please, and you really, the teachers are, are telling you or you suspect, just get them tested. There's no shame in it. Right. And allow, yeah. allow the teacher know. Go to the school and tell the teacher and say, look, they've been diagnosed with this. They're not being medicated. We're putting in the tools to help them. Can you continue these tools at school? And if it's not the right school for your child, then find the right school for your child. I know it's not always as easy said than done. But the work in, you know, read a book about ADHD, you know, just 
just put the work in because I think that's the thing. Um, if you want your child to have a good education and good mental health and all of this, it's and also if you have a diagnosis, it's going to protect you down the line. So yes. in the UK, if you um, if you ever struggle in a job or anything, you can uh, you're covered by a disability act. So even by giving your child that at a young age, you know that you're protecting them in the future. Yeah. So that's another reason to do it. I want to end the podcast in a second on. Um... I was going to do relationships and positive aspects, but we don't have that much time. So I'm going to go on to positive aspects. But before, no, I'm just going to go on to positive aspects. And I'm going to start it with, um, I had an interview. Well, not an interview. That's a lie. I was going with a lie there. I had a meeting not long ago um, about in a job that I was in, not my current job. I was in a job and they were disappointed with, some of my performance but I just started the job and it was taking me a while to get into it anyway they were disappointed with something in my performance and it actually was to do with my dyslexia and I remember sitting down and I had quite an empowering moment where this person was putting me down about a mistake that I had made repeatedly and then I turned around to that person and said the reason I made that mistake is because I'm dyslexic and they were like what and I was like, I'm dyslexic. And they're like, really? And I was like, yes. So I struggle with um, words and numbers, um, especially when there's a, 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 a big worksheet and the structure is all over the place. Um, it all kind of blends into one for me on a piece of paper. Like I have to break it down myself and be able to read it clearly myself. Um, and they're like, oh, and I was like, so this is why that mistake's been happening. However, this is also why I'm a good teacher, because when you teach, especially teaching um, a foreign language, English as an L2 language, a, a, a second language, I know how to break down information because I have to do it myself. So when you're teaching to children, I know how they are going to process a second language and I know how to make it more simple. Like a common mistake, teachers will teach sh, th and ch altogether. No, 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 no. You break those up. You make sure they understand them first. Like I'm really good at breaking down knowledge. And it was just the way I sold it to him and explained it to him. And he was just like, oh no, yeah. And I am a really good teacher. I'm going to own that. Like there's a lot of things I'm not good at, but one good thing I am good at is teaching. And I understand it very well. What I do think, you- I think you're good at that. I think you're good at that because you're a little bit neurodiverse because- you That's have a couple of strategies to teach yes. yourself. So That's my point. Not... So I can teach but it you've to only others. Had to, you've only had to do that because you're, you know, confining to a different type of learning though. So, yeah. you know, I think this is the thing where there are this, there are advantages to having ADHD. That's and we should my definitely point. talk about them. I think, yeah. I think there is. But um, uh, we have to be honest about them and actually say, you know, <laughs> we have to be honest and say what is an advantage and what isn't because there are there's some misconceptions. We but, missed the misconceptions, Chris. I'm very sad. <laughs> I know. I wish we had more time. Um, yeah. I do want to know though from from you, like, what are some things that you consider a positive? That's my okay, positive. So, is that I explained it? It's like, what's your positive? Okay, so I think I had a couple of positives that I wrote down. Um, and I'm trying to remember them. Um, the, the positive aspects. Um, <laughs> I'm, down here that I'm not sure if ADHD is. Um, I don't think it's a strength as such. I still think that. Um, 
I still think the condition outweighs some of the positives that come from it. You know, I still think it needs to be understood because, you know, when you say that people are like, oh yeah, hyper-focus is my superpower. Mm. It's like, well, that's not really a great superpower because actually it's the problem. But do you, think that's, do you think that is because you're someone that is newly diagnosed and is still learning how to navigate here? Do you think maybe in like five years, you'll look back and be like, actually, these things are positives for me? No, no, I think I'm quite realistic. So there are things about okay. having ADHD that I like. So for example, um, I am really into creative arts and stuff like that. And that is definitely associated with needing more stimulation to enjoy stuff. Mm -hmm. So yes, I've gone to do scuba diving and I've gone to play guitar and sing and be into photography. And, you know, those things define to find my personality and maybe if I didn't have ADHD maybe I would be that person happy in a nine-to-five data job right you know and that isn't me and it's because I have ADHD so I'm I'm grateful for that in some respects yeah um, I'm not grateful for a lot of the bloody small annoying things that affect me on a day-to-day -day basis but I am grateful for that okay and yeah. if you think about ADHD and you think about creative people um they they you know any musician you've probably met or admire you know a sports star in some respects probably has some level of neurodiversity so I don't know yeah I almost think it doesn't define me but it's definitely a part of me I suppose okay um I will say don't worry about the uh, missing, uh, myths and misconceptions. So what we will do is at some point this week, because um, I know you've got a bit of time at the moment and I've got a bit of time, we can try and find time together. We'll, yeah. we'll film a short video on myths and conceptions and I'll put it on our Instagram. So anyone that's listening, cool. go over to our Instagram and then you can see an extra bonus video about myths and um, misconceptions. So I do want to end because we've got eight minutes left before I run yeah. out of time. Um, what does life look like going forward for you? Um, life going forward. Okay, one thing I will say <laughs> is, You're like, I'm not going forward. <laughs> that sounded no, no, really it's... negative. <laughs> Anyone listening, I... like, this is a positive ending. Not <laughs> life going forward. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think, okay, if I had to look at, okay, from finding out about ADHD in connection to that, yeah. um, I, I, I think I, I'm very positive moving forward now because I understand myself a lot better. Yeah. So I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And it's accepting those things. Yeah. So a lot of the time I would put myself in a situation to do something, you know, even though I wasn't comfortable with it. And that's crazy so, um, to me because after knowing you for so long, you've always been someone that throws yourself into situations and makes the best of situations. Like there's never a shit time outside. with you. But that's what, that's what it looks like from the outside looking in. So yeah. like, if you go on a night out with me, you will have the best night ever because I'm this positive, fun person to be around. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes I'm not feeling like that. I'm doing, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing that because that's what you're supposed to do. And, and, and I suppose what I'm doing now is, okay, when I was younger, I would go out till four in the morning because I wouldn't, I would want to go home, but I wouldn't want to let anybody down. Uh, okay. So, you know, I would do that because that was the thing that I would do to make somebody else happy. And that's the one yeah. thing I am, a massive people pleaser as well. Another symptom of the ADHD. So I tend to be a, a massive empath 
So I've kind of now started to kind of draw myself back a little bit and go, actually, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. These are the things I want to do. And and I think that's making me want a better version of myself. And and, and, and it makes me a lot healthier in the things that I want to do. And the things that I I'm think more that, positive yeah. for. I think everyone should do that. It's something that I've even done over the last five years is just like I pull myself away from any... Do you know what? I think most people in their 30s do. You pull yourself away from situations that you know aren't going to make you happy. You pull yourself away from people that aren't going to make you happy because what's the point? You know, like... Well, I listened to your, your podcast episode on was it, a quarter-life crisis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's is it coincidental that at 34 years old or 33 years old, mm-hmm. I started to look and question a lot of the things that happened in my life that may have got me to this point. And essentially what you're doing at that point in time is you're saying, okay, this has happened to me at this point in my life and this is where I am and this is where I build a new foundation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is what being diagnosed with ADHD did for me. It created a foundation that said, okay, well, from now, what can I do? I understand what happened in the past. Now this is what I can do moving forward. And I I think- yeah no. no but I do love that because I think that's what everyone needs to hear like it's not always the end when you get diagnosed with something it's actually a beginning it's like start from here okay and now you can go again it's the same with divorce it's the same with like, having a baby it's the same with like your kids starting school all of it it's all it doesn't always have to be such a negative thing you know and we do we yeah. put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we think oh god this is I've, I've got it I've had this and I've had to and that's another thing oh god we've only got five minutes but that's another thing that um, I worry about with this like overdiagnosing of ADHD is like don't it, this is my opinion like don't use it as an excuse and don't use it as an identity you know like it's it's not what identifies you you don't need to use it as an identity and how do you feel about that I'm gonna give that the the ending statement for you so I think that um, when it comes to like neurodiversity being an identity I don't think you should wear it as an identity. And I think anyone kind of saying using ADHD as an excuse is kind of, I don't like that so much. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've been through it, then you're never going to use that as an excuse. Right. But I, I think there has to be a kind of sensitivity in society towards neurodiversity. And we don't currently have that yet. Yeah. And I think that... If you look at you know, it's it's good to say that you're neurodiverse and these are the reasons why and that should just be it yeah. <laughs> you know you know and and, and that's yeah. it but i think people have a bit of a chip on their shoulder about it at the moment and i think mm-hmm. that's a societal thing mm-hmm. and and i think it seeps through society and, and you, you see it on tiktok like oh my god everyone's talking about adhd blah blah yeah, blah it's really relevant right now yeah but i think there's a reason why everybody's talking about it because it's probably more prevalent in society than we know more about it there's more research on it like yeah if we know more about it we put more research into it then we can help schools and then we can come up with better strategies and what's wrong with that how is that a negative you know so exactly at the end of the day we're just looking at an equal society where people who are neurodiverse want to fit into that society as well as anybody else you know And, and and that's the thing you know yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a, about quality at the end of the day. I don't think it's got... And when, when people start making, I don't know, notions of, oh, okay, that person's lazy or that person's yeah. 
um yeah. or that you know yeah. that person's use it as an excuse it, it, it creates a negative connotation with it and it's something that isn't fair i suppose when at the end of the day all we're striving for is quality of life and enjoyment and and, and happiness and every, all of that you know like why 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 put a negative connotation on anything i get it i yeah. and i and and i have heard the negatives and the positives and i know people who have adhd and you know i hope going forward especially in taiwan that people are more um understanding towards mental health and try to help their children a bit more as a teacher that would be great going forward if we had a little bit more understanding of that here i do want to say thank you so much for coming on um i know you were slightly nervous um yeah yeah um it's been great and I've really enjoyed this chat and it's gone on for it's quite it's quite a long podcast it's going to be a lot of editing um oh man you know what it's such a big topic you know it's such a big topic but we will hopefully this week um do a myths and misconceptions short video on Instagram because Stephen's done a cool questionnaire for that and I'd like to go into that um (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah and um yeah definitely and i hope you guys have enjoyed it and this will be a two week long episode so part one will be tuesday part two thursday and then the following week tuesday part three part four and the thursday so you'll have four weeks of it to kind of get to grasp on what we're what we're talking about but thank you so much for coming on and um yeah i'll see you guys next week bye Goodbye. <laughs>